All right, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody good? I see some new faces out there, so in just a second, we're going to ask you guys to come up and sing a special, because that's what we do with new people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're just glad you guys are here, so thank you for being with us. If you're here and you're new, uh, if you're here and you're not new, we also like you, so we're glad you came back. So y'all keep coming back. We love that. Um, I'm doing a series, started a series last week called Why? It's a big question. Um, I think so many of us, we're, our, our heart and our passion is to kind of have things in order, um, contr- a little bit control. If I'm being honest, I like to control things as much as I possibly can. Um, I'm sure you're not like that, but that's kind of how I am. And it seems like in church world, we've been, in, if, if we're not careful, we're taught not to ask questions because we're, we're taught that if, if you ask a question, that that means that you have doubt and somehow Jesus is not pleased. And, and I know that's wrong because, <laughs> one, I read the Bible. Um, but secondly, because you think about Jesus and his disciples, and literally the whole time he was with them, what were they doing? They were asking some of the dumbest questions you've ever seen in your life. They would ask, oh, Lord, why in the whole world did you do that? Or why didn't you do this? Or why, 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 why? It's like they're a bunch of toddlers falling around, because spiritually they were, right? And so just keep that in mind. There's nothing wrong with asking questions, nothing wrong with doubt, nothing wrong with learning. Um, Part of the process of learning is learning that God is trustworthy and learning that you can trust him. You can ask questions. You can ask the why questions, the hard questions. And that's what we want you to do. We want you to ask hard questions. Um, Doesn't mean you're walking in doubt necessarily. Maybe you are, but, you know, again, it's not like God doesn't know it. So asking questions is not necessarily a bad thing. Just be careful where you get the answers from, right? That's a really, really big deal. So we're going to get into that in just a second. So last week we asked a big question about do you know your why? And we we tried to answer that kind of in the big picture, was simply this, that, it, that learning your why is understanding your purpose. And the way we do that is recognizing that your purpose is, was never for you in the first place, right? Your purpose was all about God because it's, the Bible says it's that he that made us, right? Um, that we are the sheep of his pasture. He made us. We didn't make ourselves, right? And that sounds like a no-brainer, but so often we live entirely different. We live as if we're the center of the universe and, and the truth is, we're just not. So we're going to get into that, of course, and talk more about that, because um, that's really a, th- that's answer the question of your why, but also answers a whole lot of why questions that come up in this life. If you find out that you are not the center of the universe, that God actually is, and, and that's kind of a clue to the meaning of the universe, if, if you will. This week, we're going to ask a really, really painful question, and, and this is, it's really tough because so often we've prayed for things um, that we haven't seen come to pass. So, so the question this week is, why, did, why didn't God answer my prayer? So let me start with just a simple question uh, after that question. How many of you guys believe in the power of prayer? Just raise your hand real quick. Yeah, most of you. That's good. <laughs> um, how many of you guys have had unanswered prayers? Same people. That's really interesting. Okay. <laughs> you kind of see where I'm going with this. Obviously, all of us have prayed. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in, a, in a, an amazing God. My wife does an amazing job of reminding us often every single Sunday that God is not just good. He's powerful. And, and in learning about him and learning to trust him, learning about his character and nature is really, really something we all need to do. And again, that's part of discipleship. That's actually part of what it means to follow Jesus, is to follow him. And you're, when you follow Jesus in this life, you're going to bump up against things. 
and you're going you're gonna to learn his character and his nature. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to pray for things that are completely selfish, completely about you and nobody else. And God's going to go, no, I'm not going to answer that prayer. And if you don't ask why, if you don't wonder why, you're just going to stay in your toddler stage for the rest of your life. And I don't know if you know people like that, but they're not fun people to be around in any kind of scenario. But here's the good news. Prayer is powerful, but here's the challenging part of that. It can also be confusing. And I think a lot of us don't realize that in our discipleship, we have actually been taught some things um, that are actually wrong. I, I know this because, you know, I got saved by grace. Um, nobody gets saved outside of grace. And one of the things I learned along the way is somewhere after that, I stopped believing in grace and started mixing the law back in and saying, you know, somehow it's my responsibility, right, to, to get God to love me by the things that I do. And I found out very quickly that I, I, I can't live like that, that the whole idea behind the law was to show me that I couldn't live by the law, <laughs> that I needed a Savior, I needed grace. And recognizing that, I allow God to come in, into my life, I allow him to change my broken heart, change my broken world, and begin to turn me into and change me into something amazing. But it's not because I'm doing it. I'm just submitting to the process, and God's actually doing it. So let me talk a little bit about the purpose of prayer. Let me just kind of give you a contrast. This is kind of interesting. Um, Joshua 10, uh, Joshua prays for the sun to stand still in a whole day. I mean, the sun doesn't go where, while they're fighting. Um, I prayed, personally, Karen and I prayed for my brother. Uh, he was going through a struggling time in his marriage, my brother's wife, and they got divorced. <laughs> uh, 1 Kings 18, Elijah called fire down from heaven. 800 false prophets are destroyed. I prayed for a good friend who had cancer. Actually, in, even in the past, I prayed for my mother who had cancer, and they passed away. Daniel 6, Daniel prays, facing death, the lion's mouths are shut, starving lion's mouths were shut. He goes all night in the room with lions that are supposed to eat him, they never do. I prayed for a coworker one time when I was working in Florida who had a back problem and he actually got worse. <laughs> and he comes to me and he says, hey, if you don't mind, would you not pray for me anymore? Literally, he said that. And he was a Christian. That's what's sad. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what kind of Christian you are, but your prayers are going in the opposite direction, so please don't pray for me. So prayer is powerful, but it can be confusing because sometimes, especially when we're young in this, we don't understand why things are happening. But the danger of that, going back to the whole point behind this series, is so often we're, we're taught, don't ask why. That somehow asking why something isn't happening the way you think it ought to, somehow that's wrong. And I just want to relieve you of that pressure. That's not true. It's okay to ask the why questions. If you're serious about that, then what happens, you actually begin to get into why things are happening or why things aren't happening, and you are learning of God. That's what Jesus said, come follow me, learn of me. My ways are different, we're going to talk about that. So prayer is powerful, but it can also be confusing. So let's start with a scripture. This is in John chapter 14, starting with verse 13. And I remember reading this the first time, and I was blown away. It says, and I will do, this is Jesus. He says, and I will do whatever you ask. I thought, this is handy. <laughs> whatever this is, I like this. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Anybody ever read that scripture before? And yet, I prayed for things in his name with all the, you know, the authority that I could and seen it not come to pass. I prayed for things not to come to pass that did come to pass, and you kind of, I'm sure you've been in that same line. So what happens when you ask God, you know he can, you know he should, but he doesn't. Is there something wrong with you? Is God not listening? Is he mad? Does he not care? 
But here's, here's kind of the answer, the beginning of the answer to that problem and that question is understanding the character and the nature of God. Because I promise you, you got it wrong. <laughs> right? Because one of the things Karen does every time we open our service, whether it's her or somebody else hosting, we always start with, this is what we sense God is doing. We're trying to connect with what the Lord is doing in the moment. Not just his character and nature, although everything in that moment comes from his character and nature. And one of the things we talk about all the time is that God is good. But there are times when it seems like he's not. There are times when circumstances are going to tell you that he's not. When you have prayed a prayer about something and he didn't answer, and somehow that scenario tells you that God is not good. Jesus came up against this all the time. We know it happened in Scripture. It happens with us. But it's hard to grasp something that so often, because of who we are in our culture, in our modern-day culture, we forget that we are not the main character in the story. <laughs> right? So, again, I, that's just part of who we are as, as Americans. Um, I, I wasn't going to share this, but this is kind of interesting. Um, how many of you guys have heard of the World Series? How many baseball teams from any other nation than America are, are part of the World Series? Anybody know? There's one from Canada that I can think of, right, which may as well be America. <laughs> Maybe not anymore, but... <laughs> But we still call it the World Series. Why? Because we're Americans. That's what, that's what we do, right? It's like it's, this is the, we call football football, and the whole rest of the world calls soccer football. We don't care. <laughs> it's not football. Anybody knows football is oblong, not round. Everybody knows that, right? We lived in England for a long time, and that was a, that was a problem when you had that conversation in a pub, and it, it would start a fight really, really quick about football. But this is because in our American mindset, we, we, we think we're the center of the universe. We've been taught that we are special. And here's the thing, we are special. Not because we're Americans, <laughs> uh, maybe, but because, <laughs> but because we're believers, because we're sons and daughters of God, we are special. Even before we become believers, God pours his love out on us. He loves us before we ever changed our heart and our mind. He has loved us because he went to the cross before us, for us before we ever gave our hearts and our lives to him. So we are special in that sense that he loves us. We are the apple of, of his eye. In, in the, the, the scheme of things, in nature, in the universe, we are special, and that's true. But if we're not careful, we take that too far, and we move us into the center of the universe and forget that God doesn't, isn't in the center of the universe. God made the center of the universe, and he's not of the thing he's made. He's something altogether different, right? So here's the thing. The purpose of prayer what is it actually? The purpose of prayer isn't to get God to do your will. The purpose of prayer is simply this. It's to know God so that you and I can do his will. Because prayer so often is, is about, Lord, will you? Right? Lord, will you do this? And so we come to prayer and we give him a bucket list. This is what I need you to do. I yank the chain. You know, he's the butler. He comes running. I'm like, God, I really need you to fix this job. I need you to fix this relationship. I need you to do this. I need you to, I need you. The, the devil has beaten me up and I need you to stop him. And God's like, I think somewhere I wrote down about giving you some keys that you could open doors with yourself. I'm just saying that at some point, maybe you need to grow up, right? And so again, but the danger is we tend to put ourselves in the center and take God out of it. And it's something we have to be really, really careful not to do. So we treat God like a drive-thru, right? Like we drive up, we give our order, we drive around, and if we have to wait more than five minutes, we're mad, right? That's just part of our culture, so we have to be careful with that. But God's not a button to be pushed, right? God is a relationship to be pursued. We hear this all the time. It's like, you know, one day I'm gonna, if I'm a believer, I'm going to go to heaven. Heaven is meaningless without the Father. 
right? Heaven's not a place. Heaven's only a place because of who lives in that place. And if we forget that, we think about the streets made of gold. That's exciting. I love that. I think about the house that, that is being made for me. God, Jesus said, I'm going to go and I'm going to make a place for you. It's going to be amazing. Heaven's going to be incredible. There's no more sin. There's no more, there's no more sickness. There's no more brokenness. All those things are passed away. Everything's going to become new in this new world. I love it. It's something to dream about, right? But if we're not careful, we start seeking the things of God rather than the God of the things. And that's what we have to be careful in prayer, about being careful about in prayer. So here's a verse, you know, again, we, we read it. Jesus said, do anything that I would ask. And so then the question is, well, why didn't he? I asked him, and I feel like I asked in his name. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. We're going to get to that. But it didn't happen. So here's something that's helpful when studying a verse in Scripture. When I read that, I made some assumption based on my culture, what I already knew, my understanding of God, and it was all wrong. When it said, anything you ask in my name, that's, that's a, there's a catch to it. Did you see that, right? But when I read that, I totally ignored that because I just picked up the part where he's going to do whatever I ask him to do because I placed myself in the center of that universe. So here's the thing. The Bible is a revelation of God. You can think what you want about God, you can, and many, many people do, but there is a revelation from Scripture about who he is and what he's like. You don't get to choose what God is like. You don't. You don't get to choose what your spouse is like. You know, I'd like you to be like this. And they're like, okay, I appreciate that you have, you know, likes. <laughs> and in the meantime, you married this. It's not like you didn't see me coming, right? You knew I had this personality, right? You knew I had, and I'm not talking about things we can't change. Obviously, there are some things we can change. But I can't decide that I want my wife to be weak and a sissy girl because that's not who my wife is ever going to be. She's incredibly feminine, but at the same time, if I'm honest, I'm a little afraid of her. Her brothers, both her brothers were like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, we went to high school together. We were in the same grade. They were in grades above us. And a couple of times, they came to me and they said, you know, I'm, I'm actually a little afraid of Karen. They picked on her all the time. But both of them said, if I'm honest, I'm a little afraid of Karen. <laughs> She's smaller, but there's dynamite inside her. Here's my point. My point is, there's so much about God that he wants to reveal to us. You can't decide what that truth is. Truth is not a subjective, a subjective thing. It is an objective thing no matter what our culture tells you. You can't decide something is true because you want it to be. And that's a really, really challenging place in our culture. And so we have to move our, ourselves away and come to know God and learn about who he is. So we study and we interpret the Bible. We don't pull a scripture out, out of the context of the culture that it was written in, of the people that it was written to. We can't pull that scripture out and make it mean what we want it to mean. We have to let it be interpreted. And the best way to do that is to be interpreted by other passages in the Bible, right? So it's a helpful way. So you read a verse and you work to understand it in context, who wrote it, to whom it was written, cultural, historical context, all of those things. And then what else does the Bible say about that particular subject? So it's a great way to do that. So, so why didn't God answer my prayer? Here's a, just basically four reasons. There are potentially more, but here are four potential problems. What Scripture gives us, four potential possible reasons why God didn't answer your prayer. And we're just going to go through them quickly. So maybe God didn't answer your prayer because you have broken relationships. You're like, does that matter? So let me read you a scripture. Mark 11, um, we're going to get to verse 24, but in the passage setting it up, Jesus is talking about having faith in God. He says, say to this mountain, if you have faith in God, you'll say to the mountain, and the mountain will be moved, right? It's going to be removed. 
It's going to be done. It's going to be cast into the sea. You're literally going to move mountains with your prayer. That's what he said. And then Mark eleven twenty four. 24, right after that, this is what he said. Therefore, I tell you, if you ever wonder what a therefore is there for, right, read the passages that come before the therefore. <laughs> so again, context. So we go back in it, and he said, we just read this, and now there's some context that comes after it, and this is what it says. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. That's awesome, right? Let's read the next part of it. And, connection, right? And when you stand praying, if, those are super important words in in this passage, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, right? Why? What, What is it about you praying and believing that sometimes your prayers aren't being answered? Jesus is making a connection to your relationships in this world matter. One way you can tell this, I mean, you got guys got kids, and there's, you know, you got multiple kids, and your kids are like, hey, I'm going over, I want to go spend the night with my friend this, you know, Friday night, and on that Friday, they're fighting with their brothers and sisters, and they're like, hey, dad, you know, can I go, you know, can I go over to my friend's house? And you're like, no, you can't. And they're like, why? You know, I did my chores, and I did all these things, and I've done everything. Yeah, but you're fighting with your brothers and sisters, and that matters. It's a really big deal, and I need you to obey me in this issue, and if you don't understand that, how in the world am I going to let you go out and be free to do other things if you can't simply obey in this arena, right? Some of you guys as parents, you've done that. Why? Because the value of relationships is everything. God does everything in this world through relationships. No man is an island, a poet said, but he's pulling that from a revelation of Scripture. God designed us to need one another, and if you have something against your brother, you potentially have a problem in prayer. And he's alluding to this. Your relationships matter. Here's another place, Matthew 5, 23. He says, therefore, if, there's that word again, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, not even that you have something against them, but your brother, there's a broken relation somewhere. It's not okay. God's like, don't care if it's your fault. This is one of the biggest ones in church world that we have to deal with on a regular basis. They're like, you know, I'm justified. They're, they did this, and I'm like, totally get it. Here's the problem with that. Jesus said, doesn't matter whether they did it or you did it. Go try to make it right. If it's your fault, go try to make it right. If it's their fault, go try to make it right. There's no out. Why? Because relationships are that valuable, right? And one way we know that is if, if it's just about being right, Jesus wins, and we're all in hell. Simple theology. But Jesus said, they're all wrong. Every single one of them are wrong. But I love them so much that I'm going to make a way to rescue them from their own brokenness because I love them so much. Because love matters, and love is the primary, obviously the primary issue of relationship. He says, first go and be reconciled them to them, then come and offer your gift. In other words, you're trying to be all spiritual, trying to come to church. You're trying to, you know, you're trusting the Lord for things. I need a raise, Lord. I need a better job. I need these things in my life, Lord. There's promises that you've made me. And I've been praying, I've been praying, and I'm praying, but I've got broken relationships all around my life that I've done nothing to reconcile. And God's like, hey, I'd really like to talk to you about that. <laughs> you're like, okay. And it seems unfair. But here's another one. This is 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands. This is talking specifically husbands, although the principle applies to wives as well. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Why? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. 
Maybe your challenge with your spouse is hindering your prayers. This is what Peter's saying. He's saying there's something about your relationships here that potentially has the, the ability to damage your relationship with God. And, and listen, it, we think, well, God, you're withholding from me. But that may not be true because, again, prayer is not just one-sided. God, do this thing for me. Prayer is about getting to know the will of God, getting to know his character and his nature, who he is, his purpose and his plans in your life so that you can do his will, not get him to do yours. Selfishness is a very childish thing, and it's the formation of every sin, right? And so growing out of that selfishness is learning. This world is not just about me. And sometimes for my wife to be happy, there has to be an unhappy day. And sometimes for me to be happy, sometimes Karen has to, to make sacrifices. That's the nature of love, right? And we see that in Christ. Here's another one, James 5.16. I don't like this one at all. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. I don't want to do that. I don't want you to know what's going on in my life. I don't, I don't want you to know my weaknesses. I don't want you to know because you'll think poorly of me. No, you'll think accurately of me. Because you're the same way. You also have some of those challenges, right? So the Bible's not just going, hey, willy-nilly, just go confess your sins. Super awkward if you have coffee with me and you just start spouting off all the things you've done in your life. I'm, listen, first of all, don't go into detail if you're confessing your sin. Huge help to your pastor, okay? Don't do that. But also, it doesn't mean confess your sins to anybody and everybody. What he's saying is be be open and recognize that you have to have relationships where you're having conversations with people about the challenges in your own life. Why? Because part of that is an accountability issue, saying, pray with me, challenge me, love me, help me. I cannot do this by myself. And that's true, right? He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. And then he says this, the prayer of a righteous person or a righteous man is a powerful and effective thing. So what is that, what, what's God saying? He's saying, listen, your relationships matter. And righteousness is not about you doing it all right because that's not what the scripture is about because it's in the new covenant. It's not self-righteousness. It's the gift of righteousness. But if you don't understand grace and you don't understand that, the enemy is going to lie to you and say, you are not worthy of receiving this prayer. My mom did that. We prayed for her. We had faith. We've been fasting and praying, had this incredible sense of faith that God wanted to heal her from cancer. I'm 55. She was in her 40s when she passed away. I was 20, 20-something years old. We came home from Bible college. We're praying desperately. We're seeking the Lord. We're trusting the Lord. We, we had this sense of massive faith that God's going to heal her. And we pray for her, and this is what she said to me. I, I, don't, I don't believe God wants to heal me. And I said, why? She goes, if you knew what I have done. And, and at the time, I did everything I could do to try to explain to her grace. And I'm like, Mom, he does know <laughs> while you were yet sinners, Christ died, he does know, and he loves you anyway, and he wants to rescue from that, and he's got something for your life, and she couldn't receive it, and I believe, I really believe that, uh, that she, she cut her own life short because she could not believe in the goodness of God, and like Rodney sang this morning, in the land of the living. She, I believe she, she knew God would, she would go to heaven. I believe she knew that, but God wasn't done with her, and so there's this, there's this massive under, misunderstanding so often of the enemy will use doubt and, and your brokenness and your hurt to say you're just not a righteous person, but that's not what this is talking about. But it is reminding us that there are challenges in relationship that if you're, if you're confessing your sin, if you're being honest about the reality of where you are in your life, or if you're not doing that, if you have made yourself an island and you've separated yourself from the people of God so often, so often what God is wanting to do in your life, you can't hear it because you're not listening. 
So why did God not answer my prayer? Maybe it's because of broken relationships. Maybe you have the wrong motives, and we alluded to that in just a minute. The Pharisees loved to pray, and they loved to be seen praying. Bless, and this is something we do sometimes. We're like, Lord, bless my business, but I'm not willing to be generous to your business. (laughs) Bless all of my finances, Lord, but they're my finances, right? I don't understand the biblical concept of stewardship, that every good thing I have came down from the Father of lights. Every good thing I have came from God. And the ability to give is only because he's given to me first, right? Every ability that I have, the ability to gain wealth, the Bible, he, says, he says this when he talks about the, the people of Israel coming into the land. He said, your ability to gain wealth, when you have houses and lands and really nice cars and expensive cell phones and all those things, go read it. It's right there in, in Exodus. When he says that, he says, be careful that you don't forget that it was me who gave you the ability to have the wealth in the first place. And so we want God to bless We want everything from God, but we're willing to give him nothing in return. We have to be careful because often it's wrong motives. Here's scripture, Proverbs 16, 2. It says, all a man's ways seem innocent to him. Seem innocent to him. But motives are weighed by the Lord. You don't get to define it. You don't. But that's good because you're defining it all wrong anyway. (laughs) And God's way better than you think he is. Here's another one, James 4, 3. When you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. God, I want to be wealthy. Why? Why do you want to be wealthy? Why do you want to have money? So you can be generous on all occasions? Is that why you want to have money? Or is it because you want a nicer car? You think that somehow having nicer things is going to make you nicer, and it's not. It's just going to make you meaner, only you'll have better things. Right? Because if, if the things, if what you're pursuing are things then things are the only things that you're going to have, and the things will have you. So God goes after that. Your motives may be wrong. Psalm 139, 23, search me, God. This is something that that David prayed, and it's an amazing prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way. Another version says, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, Lord, I am not capable sometimes of seeing myself accurately. And the prayers that I'm praying, test them, Lord. In your kindness, challenge me on my life so that I can, be, can, I can recognize what you're doing in my life and I can get into alignment with you rather than trying to do everything my way. So often that gets us in trouble. So maybe you... The third one is maybe you just don't believe that God will do it. Mark chapter 9, this, this father brings a boy to Jesus, to the disciples first. He's possessed. He can't talk. He's foaming. He's thrashing about. He throws himself. This father says he throws himself in the fire. He's trying to, he's damaging himself, right? You see this in our, in our culture with young people even. The dad asked the disciples to drive it out. They couldn't. And where was their faith? This is what Jesus comes and says, Mark chapter 9, verse 22. He said, this is the man talking. This demon has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And this is what Jesus said, if you can. In other words, you're asking, are you asking, can I do it? Is that your question to me? Are you asking, do I have the power to deal with this demon, right? Jesus is asked so often when Jesus was asked a question, guess what he did? He asked another question. We want him to just be, Jesus, just be straight with me. no. He's not going to do it. (laughs) So you may as well get used to it now. So often I've prayed and I said, God, why this? And I hear a question in my head. And I'm like, no, I I just asked a a question. I don't need to ask another question. And then I realize 
That's not me wanting to ask another question. That's God asking me a question that's going to answer the question that I just asked. God's tricky like that. He goes on, he says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for what? One who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but I know it's, this is what he's saying. I, I do believe some, Right? What is unbelief? Unbelief is not, I, I have challenges or I'm learning God. Unbelief is something inside our heart that says God won't. Because that's what Jesus addressed. Jesus said, are you asking if I can? Now, you have to recognize part of what Jesus is saying, you don't get to determine how this is going to work. You don't. Reality is reality. Whether you like reality or not makes no difference. You can think all you want about how God ought to be. But God is a certain way. And the quicker you learn that, the more you're going to be able to respond to him and see him answer your prayers and see him move in your life and see him move, most importantly, in other people's lives as well. So there are moments when my faith is weak. It's tricky about this. This is tricky because if we aren't careful, we can hide behind this and we can, we can drive ourselves to fear and, and, and to the point where we're literally walking in unbelief. But here's what the Bible says. Your faith does matter. And some of that is I'm struggling to believe God is the kind of God who would answer my prayer, right? And so that's why it's so important to learn of him. Over and over, you see this in Scripture. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. Jesus said this over and over. This is uh, Matthew 9, 22, the lady who was bleeding for 12 years, gone to all the doctors, spent all of her money. I've been through that recently, right? I'm like, Lord, doc, thank you for health care. But man, it's still expensive. I'm spending a lot of money on this. And this is what he said. Your faith, this is what he said to the woman, your faith is actually what healed you. You believing that I, I'm not that just that I can, that I'm willing to heal you. Some of that has to move into the realm of grace and going like my, what my mom struggled with. She did not deserve to be healed. That's her, that was what was in her head. That's the lie that the enemy told her, and she believed that rather than believing God was true and accurate. Here's another place, Luke seven fifty. your faith has saved you. Talking to the immoral woman, two blind men, Jesus said to them, do you believe? And this is what he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. This is in Matthew 9, 29. So my relationships, maybe my relationships are good. Maybe I've got right motives and maybe I've even got faith. But maybe, and this is the kicker, this is the one that really challenges, maybe God has something different in mind. Maybe what you're praying for is not how God is going to do it. And that's difficult. That's difficult. And so I wanna, this is what I kind of want to end on. This is Isaiah 55, 8, 8 and 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways like yours. This is what God's saying. The problem isn't you're trying to get me to be like you. That's the problem you're, you're struggling with. You think, you think I'm like you in so many places, but God says in one place, I am altogether not like you. I'm not. So stop trying to make me out to be like you. Stop it. I have revealed who I am. I wrote it down in a best-selling book. You can read it. For free. People have made it available to you for free. And you can study this book. You can get into this and you can learn of Jesus. You can follow him. You can understand his ways. But you can't tell him what his ways ought to be. And that's one of the biggest challenges in our life. He goes on. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. The way I do things are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So you have to learn God's ways. Why? Why? Because by their very nature, they are foreign 
to us. Why? Because we are born in sin, separated from God. And this is what Jesus did on the cross. The whole point behind the cross was not just to save you and so you could go into a really nice retirement program, okay? It's not what heaven's about. Jesus said, I came, why? So that you could be restored back into relationship with your father because your sin had separated you far from him. Now think about this for a second because it, we, we see this and religion gets this all wrong. It's like, well, Jesus is all merciful, but God the father is a little bit angry. Really? That's, you read that somewhere, I'm sure, right? <laughs> How do you know that? Right? You're reading scripture out of context. You're hearing people tell you about how God is, but you've never determined that you're going to find out how he's revealed himself to actually be. Because think about this for a second. God says in the beginning, the Bible says before time began, the lamb was slain. So think about the Trinity as much as we can wrap our heads around this, that somewhere in that, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are together, right? Because they're separate, but they're equal. They're the same. I know it's tough to wrap our head around. Again, his ways are higher. But, But think about this for a second. When this plan came about that he's going to make you, why did he do it? made us because he wanted someone to love. He had love. He had love. There was love between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and it's going to be like that for all eternity. But he wanted also someone to pour his love out upon. And in the garden, he makes man. He's, the Bible says everything he makes, it's good. And then what happens is so amazing. The enemy comes and presents a lie, and he says, did God really say? In other words, is God really the way you think he is? And so they start trying to get something from the world that God had given them a certain way, only they chose a different way of going about it. They they chose their own ways rather than God's ways. And when that happened, sin comes in, it enters in, and brokenness, it begins to retreat farther and farther away from God. I used to read this in the Old Testament and go, did people really live 900 years? Did that really happen? But if you understand the process of sin and how generation after generation, it begins to get worse and worse and worse, then you understand where sickness comes from. All of that stuff comes from the brokenness that begins when man separated himself from God. It began that way. But in the cross, Jesus restores everything back, and it was planned before time ever began. And so God comes back and he says, you want to know what I'm like? I revealed myself. And the Bible says in Hebrews, he revealed himself finally in his son. You want to know how to pray? Learn how Jesus prayed. Because Jesus, when he stepped into this world, he, the Bible says that he separated himself in some form or fashion. He's still all God. But in some ways, he, he limited himself as a man. Because what he was doing, he had to do a certain way. It could not be done any other way. So you see this, even with the Apostle Paul, this concept of, I have to learn God because three times he prays for this thorn in his flesh to be taken away. And this is what he ends up, he ends up saying. He hears God say to him, my grace is sufficient for you. So there's lots to say about that. I don't have time to get into it, but here's my point. Sometimes things don't work out for you. Paul preached 30 years all across the Mediterranean basin. He planted churches. He wrote a third of the Bible, for goodness sake. And there are certain things. One place he said, I left, I think it was Titus, I left him sick when I went to this new city. He had prayed for his brother in Christ, and he had not been healed And he makes that statement in the Bible for all of us to see. He doesn't explain it. He just said, hey, I prayed for this guy. He didn't get well, and I moved on to preach the gospel in the next place. I'll figure that out. Maybe I'm learning. Maybe I'm growing. Maybe I didn't understand. I don't know. All I know is that God is awesome, and I'm going to keep heading that direction. Timothy, he told Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. That was a medicinal phrase, right? 
Why didn't he just, you know, if it's just yank a chain or push a button, then why didn't he just pray for Timothy and move on? Because God's going to heal everybody ever. Always the same. It's always going to be exactly what you want it to be. And the answer is not always that simple. So let me finish with this. Why bother praying then? Right? If God's just sovereign, he's just going to do whatever he wants to do. What's, why are you involved? Why pray? Why pray? So this is 2 Peter 3 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. Now, why did I read that scripture? Because God does not always get what God wants. He's not willing that any should perish. His heart's desire is that every single human being that was ever created would come to repentance. They would understand his great love for him, the sacrifice he made on the cross. They would see their brokenness and their sinfulness and turn and repent. And he doesn't get it. There are things I've prayed for, you've prayed for, you didn't get them. You're no different than God. You're no different than God in that respect. Let me finish with this scripture. The purpose of prayer, I said before, is not for you to get what you want, but for you to know God so we can do his will. How do I know that? Luke 22, 42, 43. This is the kicker. This is Jesus praying before he goes to the cross. Father, if it is your will, listen, take this cup away from me. Three times Jesus prayed, I don't want to go to the cross. Another passage, the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he loved the cross. That's not what it says. He endured the cross. Why? For the joy set when he saw what was going to happen on the other side, something so terrible we cannot imagine the pain that that brought. Not just the physical pain of the cross, but the moment when all of mankind's sin was placed on him. And in that moment, because sin was placed on him, in a sense, the eyes of the Father were removed from him. Feeling for the first time in all of eternity separation from someone he'd never been separated from. And again, it's a mystery. I don't understand it completely. His ways are higher. But I do know this. He was willing to go through that because somewhere in this, he had submitted himself like you and I do. He was a model to you and I. He wasn't, he wasn't using his godlike powers to cheat. He was a man just like you and I, and he submitted himself, and he endured temptation just like you and I, only he never sinned. And part of the reason why is he always went away and prayed and he was always seeking the will of the Father and he was always coming back to this moment where he said, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You want to see your prayers answered? Start there. Start with, Lord, I'm done praying for, for all the silly things that I just think I need or I want or any of the... I'm done, for, I'm done from doing that without submitting it to you first and saying, Lord, is this according to your will? Is this in your name? Is this connected to your purposes? And then when I don't see it, you have, listen, you have to make a decision about what you're going to do with the gap. Have to. Let me tell you what the church has done many, many times. They prayed for sick people. They begged God. Now think about the silliness of praying for somebody as if you want them to stop suffering more than he does. Think about that for a second. 
So you start saying, God, you know, I don't know why you're so angry and not wanting to do this. I don't know why you're unkind. I don't know why you wouldn't heal them. I don't know why. And I pray that prayer for myself. I'm struggling right now, recovering from so, uh, shoulder surgery. I would have loved a million times over. God, I want to see, in, I mean, instant supernatural healing. I've seen it. It's happened to me in the past. It's been amazing. It's beautiful. But I can't just push a button and get him to do what I want. There's something more along the way. There's something about in our church, in the world, in the church, in the world, there's massive unbelief. Part of it is because when the gap came, when people prayed, when they asked God to do something, he didn't do it, they created theology from it. Said theology is just the knowledge of God. They said, you know what? This is what God's like. He doesn't, just because he can heal you doesn't mean he, he is going to or he wants to. And that man came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you, if you will, if you are willing, and he says, I am willing. And the Bible goes on, it says he, that anybody and everybody who came to him, believing, trusting in him, he healed them all. What about the people who didn't get healed in the Bible? It's a great question, and I'm asking it too. And there's some stuff that I know, I've talked about some of that, wrong motives, this idea of creating a theology that creates, literally creates unbelief in our world, in our church where we pray for people and we go, I'm going to pray, I'm going to go through the motions, but if I'm honest, I really don't think God's going to heal anybody. And so we pray in unbelief or we pray for wrong motives that somehow if I pray and this happens, then God is, I don't, I don't understand all. I just know this, that Jesus was willing to submit what he didn't know back to the Father and move forward. All he was after was, he said, Lord, if this, is, if this cup of suffering can pass from me, I'm all about that. I'm not stupid. I don't think he was. And I'm not stupid either. Like, I'm Lord, I don't understand this. I don't know why this struggle exists, but I do know this. Whatever that's about, at the end of the day, I don't really care. I just want to do your will. So Lord, make me a vessel. I want to submit myself to you. And I want to get on board with your program and get off board with mine. Amen? So why don't you stand with me? We're asking some tough questions. Um, just a minute, we're going to have people come up. You want to share something? We don't have some people come up. Our prayer ministry team is going to come up and be available to pray for you. We talked about this. Just, just take a second. We talked about this in our leadership team meeting the other day, and we said, hey, we're, we're, we're offering prayer every single Sunday morning, and almost nobody comes to prayer, comes up for prayer. So we asked the question, do you think there are people in our congregation don't need it? <laughs> the answer is, of course you do. For some reason, you're not coming. And I, I just want to push back on that a little bit as your pastor. There's an opportunity here to come before the Lord, not just by yourself. And I know you do that, and I'm glad you do. But the Bible says we need one another. And there are people who sometimes, maybe it's not your faith that's going to move things, but it's someone, uh, someone else's faith. Oftentimes, in prayer from someone else, there's a clue to what's in the way or what the hindrance is through that prayer and through that ministry, through prophetic words, through the gifts of the Spirit, a hundred different ways. So listen, I just want you to do this. I'm not asking, don't flood, if, don't everybody come just because they've said it, okay? It's not helpful. But I'm saying, when we open just a second for prayer, come forward. Be honest. The people who are up here, we've invited up here are mature believers who can pray for you. They have faith. They're, they've moved past some of these questions, and they're trusting the Lord on your behalf. And breakthrough can come. And some of the things that we're struggling with as a body, God's going to break through. And in these moments, when we give this to God, we're going to learn, and we're going to grow, and God's going to break through, and it's going to be powerful. But you have to be willing to bring your strength, to bring your weakness, to bring whatever you are into that moment. So I just want to encourage you to do that. You know, share before we close. Um, just, as, um, just as I'm sitting there, I really feel like this is a very significant um, moment of asking the Lord 
and it being very intentional of just receiving. So our team is going to put, they're just going to put on the worship song that we played during communion. And um, we kind of didn't get into it, but the course of that song is that nothing else will do. It's like we must have Jesus. Nothing else will do. And it ties in so much to not my will and not what I'm wanting to do and not what I'm, I'm wanting to just see happen. But it's like, Lord, what is your will and what is it that we're leaning into to see happen? But it comes from knowing him. Yeah. And at the very beginning, David said prayer is not about just getting what I want. It's about the pursuit of someone. Yeah. So this morning, there's an opportunity for the pursuit of someone in our circumstances. And so we're just going to take a minute. Um, if you want prayer, we're going to just start this song. And we're going to, if you want prayer, come forward. If you want to just be still for a minute and soak and take that in, and then you want to come up and pray, you can. But this morning, I want to emphasize something, that we serve the most powerful being in the universe and all of creation. But I don't want to just love a powerful God who does not want to come and intervene on my behalf and what my needs are. Because that's what Jesus did. He said, when they said, who, when the disciples said, who is the Father? He said, have I been with you so long that you don't know the Father? So this morning, there's the revelation of who the Father is for you on your behalf. And so we just want to take a minute. We're going to pray for one another, you know, and come forward. But just, just be still and stand and just soak and take in a few moments of just this pursuit of the goodness of who he is for you. Amen.